our Old Testament lesson this morning. It's from Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21. A psalm of praise of David can be found on page 508 in your pew Bibles or 979 in the large print. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all that you have, um, all that you have made, and all that you have given to us. God, we thank you for the rains that you've sent uh, recently. We thank you for the food that we've had to eat recently. We thank you for the many gifts that you have given to us that we can look to as reminders of the way that you provide for what we need and the ways that you care for your children. God, we ask that as we come to your word today, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us minds to understand, and that by your word and by your spirit, that you would continue to change change our hearts. That we would be made more and more, even today, into the likeness and image of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Excuse me. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Turning then to Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 through 21, should be found on page 948 in your pew Bibles, or 1817 in the large print. Paul, after explaining to the church in Ephesus uh, how they have been made alive in Christ, 
that though they were dead in their sins, that they've been made alive in Christ, then prays for the church and says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Turning then to our sermon text for today, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches on prayer. Matthew chapter 5, nope, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5 and going on through verse 15. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we have been spending the last several weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer and uh, taking just one line at a time, at a time, and this week we are looking at give us this day, our daily bread, and for many of us, when we think about what it means to pray, this is the part we think about anyway. One of my earliest memories of prayer, actually, was when I was in first grade, and I remember, you know, I'd heard uh, my parents pray, and, you know, prayed together, and heard the preacher pray, and that sort of thing. I was in first grade, and I decided I was going to try this out for real, for myself. And what I was going to do, I was going to uh, I had kind of set up a scientific experiment to see if prayer worked. So I was a brilliant first grader <laughs> following the scientific method. Uh, no, what I decided to do was, I, well, I want a red bicycle. Red bicycles are very cool. My parents will not buy me a red bicycle. I'm going to go over their heads. (laughs) So this is the basis of my my scientific uh, experiment. And so I prayed for a red bike, and I really prayed for a red bike. And it was the kind of thing where every morning 
I would wake up like it was Christmas morning and Santa had been there and the presents under the tree. Every morning, I woke up seriously expecting there's going to be a red bike in the living room. My parents are going to be standing there going, where did this come from? I don't know. That didn't happen. And morning after morning, it was more disappointment. And so what I ended up having as a part of that was uh, not that it was a failed experiment, but that, you know, I must be doing something wrong. Either, you know, I've got something wrong in my life where I've got to get that fixed first and then he'll give me the bike, or I'm not using the right words or I don't know how, you know, best way to pray, and if I do that, then he'll give me the bike. And the whole time, I was approaching prayer as though uh, it was like the genie in the bottle, and I just didn't have that figured out. How do, you, how do you get the genie to come out? But once I get that figured out, once I get this open sesame down, then God will have to do what it is that I ask for. Now, hopefully, if you have been paying attention to the earlier parts of this prayer, you realize that before you get to give us this day our daily bread, this is not the kind of prayer it is. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, we are not saying, give me a red bike because I want a red bike. It's not, give me bread because I want bread. But what are we praying? We're certainly praying for something, that God would give us something. But as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, and this is all goes together and hangs together in the context of this prayer, is Jesus is teaching his disciples that prayer is not something we do as pagans. It's not something we abandon altogether. But it is a relationship between father and his children. And it is a loving and trusting relationship. And this is where he says, before we even get into the prayer itself, he says, this is how you should pray, because, he says, uh, don't be like these other people, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows what we need before you even ask him. Here's, here's one to really blow our minds. He knows what we need better than we know what we need. Which, if you think about how we normally pray, we pray the opposite. We pray, God, I got to tell you what I need because you don't know. But I know what's going on, and I know what I need, and so here's what you need to do. Jesus says, no, no, no. He knows what you need. And he's not going to give you Uh, bad things. In fact, he talks in this same... uh, uh, in the same sermon about asking for things. And he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. Now listen to this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the relationship. Parent-child relationship, but a loving and trusting relationship where we say, I know that you need better. Or I know that you know better what I need. And so we come to him first saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We remember who he is. Secondly, uh, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is completely the uh, line that is opposed to my will be done. And only after we go through that 
Do we then say, okay, now here's what I ask that you give me. And what we ask that you give me is not a new red bike, but it's our daily bread. It's that you would give me what I need today for today. Um, This is what it means, by the way, to live trusting God every step of the way. That's not the way we like to do things. What we would like to say is, give me today everything I will ever need so I don't ever have to ask again. But I'll know I'm set. He says, no, no, no. You remember, by the way, this takes us right back to uh, the people who were in the wilderness, and they were hungry, and they cried out to God, and he sent manna. And they said, what is it? And that's what they called it. That's what manna means. What is it? And it was this bread-like substance that they could pick up and gather for the day and eat it for the day, and that was it. But do you remember that he said, make sure that when you go out to gather, you only get enough for one day? And there were people who didn't trust. They didn't believe. And they went out and they gathered for several days. And they ate it for that day. And the next day, it was rotten. This, um, I think the same kind of thing happens, by the way, when we go out and try to get more than what we need. That somehow it sours in our stomachs or sours in our souls. And this is why Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Help us today to depend on you today for what we need for today. He says also in this same, uh, later in the same sermon, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we pray today for today. That God would give us what we need for today. Another thing to keep in mind is that we're asking that he would give it. Not in the same way you would ask your employer to give you your paycheck as something you have earned, but it's a recognition that everything that we receive from God is a gift. He doesn't owe us anything. And so this line of the prayer, while we approach it at first and we think, all right, this is the part where we finally get to start telling God what it is that we want. Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me, give me, give me. First of all, He already knows what we need better than we do. Second of all, he's actually already providing for us and supplying our needs. Uh, Not only creating the world, but sustaining it every moment. So if he already knows this, he's already doing this, why does Jesus ask us to pray this? It's not because we're giving information to God. In part, I think this is part of the mystery of prayer that he actually does part of some of the things he does through our prayers. And so we do pray. But beyond that, I think there's another part of it where it's a reminder to us. He knows what we need, and he knows he's taking care of our needs. But as we pray this prayer, we are reminded. We're not telling him to take care of us. We're reminded that he is taking care of us in the ways that he provides what we need. This is, a, um, this is a hard line, by the way. It's like I told the story of when I was in first grade. 
And I did that on purpose because that was a long time ago, and so I'll just let you assume that I've grown up since then. On some days I have. And some days I find myself praying for a red bike again. Here's what I want. Give it to me. (laughs) And so we need this prayer as a reminder for ourselves of who's really in charge, who knows us best. Tim Keller says, you know, everything that you pray, that God will always answer, he will give you what it is, I can't remember the line exactly, something like this, he always will give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. He always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. And he says that that's sometimes different than what you actually ask for. But he's addressing the real need, not what you think the need is. And here's the example he gives, which is a memorable example, hopefully a helpful one too. He said, if you have a child, and your five-year-old child is bored, and the way that they solve their problem of boredom is they come to you and they say, hey, let's throw knives at each other. You would say, no, we're not going to do that. And he says, you know, a, uh, a good parent will see that they're not really asking just for throwing knives. They're asking for an answer to the boredom. And so they say, no, let's not do that. Let's do something else instead. And that in doing that, you answer the actual need, and even though you're saying no to the request. Does that make sense? I hope so. Also, don't throw knives at each other. Um, I don't have to say that. When I was at the, on the mission trip, there was a girl there who was uh, shared with us last night. I told you before that uh, she'd been diagnosed with MS the day before she left on the trip and waited throughout the week uh, to tell everybody else so that it didn't kind of put a damper on the whole week. But that last night, we all knew each other pretty well. She shared this before she went back home so people could pray with her and for her, which was very good. One of the students from her group came to me afterwards. We were talking, and he had been praying. He said, I know that God is going to take care of her. I'm just afraid he's not going to do it the way I want him to. That may be the most mature thing I've ever heard from a high school student. (laughs) I know that God is going to take care of her. I'm just afraid he's not going to do it the way that I want him to. He understands who God is. He understands how he works. He also understands that even though God may not take care of her the way he wants him to, that God's ways are still better. And so he is wrestling and struggling with how do I I get to the point where I can then say, I'm not afraid that he's not going to do it the way I want him to. I'm glad (laughs) that he's not going to do it the way that I want him to because his ways are better and higher than mine. Speaking of which, when it says, give us today our daily bread, we are asking to be sustained physically for the day. But there's more to it than that. There's a spiritual sustaining that we have. This is where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is the bread of life. That he is the one 
who sustains us not only physically but spiritually. And just as our bodies need to eat, we need Jesus. And we were reminded of that every couple weeks when we take the bread that he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we're praying, give us this day our daily bread. Please understand it is for physical, but it's also for spiritual. Help us today to trust Jesus for the day. And then uh, one final thought with all of this. I've been quoting so far this series from N.T. Wright's The Lord and His Prayer, which again I will recommend to you. But he gives a practical suggestion on how to, um, how to apply this part of the prayer. He says, the next time you take the Lord's Supper, bring with you in mind and heart someone you know or know of or have seen on television who desperately needs God's bread, literally or metaphorically, today. It says, and, uh, bring them with you. Let them kneel in your mind's eye. Let them share the bread and wine with you. And as you return strengthened by God's food, ask yourself what this new friend would mean when she or he prays, give me this day my daily bread. And then ask how you might be a part of God's answer to that prayer. We live in an area where there are people who are hungry for food. There are people who are spiritually starving. This prayer is not prayed in singular, but in plural. Not give me mine, but give us our. How can we be the people who are not only the prayers of the prayer, but those through whom God answers the prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.